I'm Erica. I'm Jenny. And I'm Jim, and this is Topic Lore is the only place on the internet you can hear topics discussed. Erica, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug? I am Erica. I'm an ecologist. Uh, I was a developer of the Frog Fractions 2 ARC. Recently, I've been granted the title of executive producer on the Glitter Mitten Grove Frog Fractions 2 album. No, you had to fight for that credit. I had to fight for that. Yeah, I have to fight for all of this stuff. Oh, man. Yeah. But I remember you producing that. Yeah, executive producer has like a very uh, specific role compared to the producer, which would be Ryan Pike. Oh, uh, like oh. the the industry has like you have to go through things. Producer <laughs> means a lot of different things in a lot of different contexts, and yeah, you have to you you basically have to be remixing the music with the musicians, and I was basically like the creative oh. director and curator of creative director and curator would be an excellent title though i would take that yeah yeah Yeah. but that's but that's basically what the executive producer is it's somebody who has like a more limited role with a a smaller scope within the project okay all right yeah i'm gonna plug something i'm gonna plug the topic lords discord come join us i do that all the time plug plugging the discord and uh i'm gonna stick with that because uh it's fun in there yeah, highly recommended. Are we ready to start on some topics? No, you got to introduce no, Jenny. No, I'm here. What? Oh, God, Jenny, are you Jim? the topic? Oh my God. <laughs> I am surprised. The topic was the friends we made along the Ooh, way. Jenny, uh, I suppose yeah. I should give you room here to talk about yourself. Not that I've never been on this podcast before to talk about myself, but I do have, I wanted to plug, Riff and I just finished our airport for aliens currently run by dogs. Let's play. Yeah today and we started um recording a new so we're playing the past within which is a like uh it's like a the room style like puzzle kind of game except it's for two players and you have to like describe things to each other a la keep talking and nobody explodes Oh, that's that's a so this is going to be a split screen thing. Yeah, he's actually um, what Riff has decided to do is release two separate videos oh, with wow. the same audio track, okay, and then two different. <laughs> yeah, so whoever's screen you look at, it's going to be us talking the same the same conversation. And he, I think he thinks that people are going to watch both of them. I don't know if anybody's actually. Uh, that seems like a lot to me. But it's a lot of work to get like twice as many views. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I look forward to um, seeing that and being the only person who comments comments on every single one of both videos. <laughs> All right, who else did I miss? Yourself? Oh, Are you gonna plug yeah. something? Um, I'm gonna plug uh, Tupperware. Okay, Ooh. it's a really convenient thing you can put old food in, so it doesn't go bad as quickly. Okay, that's that's the whole that's the whole plug. <laughs> oh wow, Tupperware, everybody, Tupperware. But sometimes it has gaskets. Yeah, there are like Tupperware parties that you can go to oh. as like a married woman. You get invited over to somebody's house and they try and sell you Tupperware. Yeah, I yeah, feel like, like that multi multi level marketing. Yeah. <laughs> to be clear, I'm plugging lowercase t Tupperware. The 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 okay. generic. Yeah, yeah. Not necessarily capital. T. I haven't like I haven't been invited onto this show to like buy some actual Tupperware. <laughs> <laughs> That's really what this is. Jim's an MLM guy now. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just gonna bad. be him describing Tupperware. Yeah, <laughs> and us. Uh, I did. I did that once. It has when I was, gaskets. 
<laughs> okay, is this where I admit that I don't know what a gasket is? I'm 42 years old and everybody just says the word gasket and I pretend like I know what it I, is. But I, I really learned don't. at about that age what a t- gasket was. Yeah. No, it's like Okay. It's like a um a rubber seal that goes around the the it like touches the connector between two things to form a seal between them. Oh. So your refrigerator door has a gasket. That's what a gasket is? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that thing has a name and its name is gasket. Yeah, yeah. And so like <laughs> when I would see people and this happened more than once, I would uh-huh. saw, see like, you know, they, they'd, be, they'd be those dispensers in public restrooms where you can take she- the sheet out of the to- the toilet paper box, they'd put it on top yeah, of- Yeah, yeah. The thing that you- Yeah, that put- The take a gasket, leave a gasket. Leave a exactly, gasket. Exactly, yes. Yeah, yeah. Somebody would write <laughs> ass gaskets on that box. <laughs> I just was, I thought it was funny because it rhymed. (laughs) Oh, man. But it's actually a gasket of sorts. (laughs) Did you hear the thing about uh, everybody on the internet finding out that British people and American people define the word frown differently? Yeah, I saw that. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, apparently uh, British and Australian, I talked to my Australian friends about this, probably New Zealand, I don't know where else, but like a frown is primarily an eyebrow thing. And they don't think of it as involving the mouth necessarily. Whoa. So Whoa. like when we would the, say the face gasket. Yeah. <laughs> when we would say turn that frown upside down, it would make no fucking sense. We sounded like insane people. Well, to be fair, it doesn't make sense anyway. <laughs> I mean it's it's a you know, it's a down turning you and you turn it upside down and it makes a smile. Yeah, do a cartwheel and that'll make you happy. <laughs> it might. Straight into the ass gasket. That so it's not just yeah. it's not just that when you frown in Hogwarts you do it with your eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what Alan Snape's doing all the time in those movies. Who knew? Who knew? Did I just say Alan Snape? You did. Wow, <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> that was not on purpose. Is that funny? I don't know what that. I don't get it. Um, his, his name is actually Alan Rickman. Yeah, or Severus. Snape, oh right, but not yes. Alan Snape. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I tried to say Peter Molyneux earlier, and it just my brain wanted to say Peter Dinklage. <laughs> and it came out as Alan Wake. Yeah, Alan Wake. <laughs> Everybody, <laughs> tip your weight staff. <laughs> exactly. Uh, are we ready to start on some topics? Sure. Sure. Erica, your topic is Stronger with Stogner. How do I even begin? Oh. How do I even begin? So yeah. the first thing you did, you sent us earlier today homework mm-hmm. which was to watch mm-hmm. one of stogner's <laughs> political ads yes and apparently she actually put did this on purpose okay okay don't don't get there yet okay we got we got more lead up <laughs> yeah okay. okay so so i want to explain um the background of this stuff and then um what i what i sent you okay so what i sent you <laughs> was a political ad that was on TikTok, featured Sarah Stogner as a political candidate for the Texas Railroad Commission, topless on top of a pump jack. And the pump jack is like (laughs) a 40-foot tall pump jack. It is a big pump jack. And her campaign slogan is Stronger with Stogner. And it's it's really rocking, right? So I looked this up because... What we were asked to do in Texas uh, during our last election was vote for Texas Railroad Commission. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like, why Why is this important, right? So if you look at the Texas Railroad Commission, just off the top of your head, what do you think the Texas Railroad Commission does? Uh, something 
with the railroads, right? Yeah, like regulation of railroads. Yeah. Maybe. Or tr- maybe. transit or something. Definitely, I would assume it's related to railroads. Okay, well, you would be wrong. Okay, so <laughs> it, has, <laughs> it has not regulated railroads since 2005. Oh, that recently. <laughs> Yeah, so so then the question is like why why are we voting on this? Like what yeah. what is important about this? So the Texas Tribune comes out and tells us uh or sorry, Texas Monthly comes out and mm. tells us about our candidates and our candidates are the incumbent Wayne uh Christian. Um he's been kind of convicted several times of graft. He has been like uncovered, basically allowing huge uh, pollution on lands. Um, and then our, our second candidate died. Uh, <gasps> yeah. Oh no. And then the third candidate uh, is basically um, some woman who is topless on top of a pump jack. Okay. <laughs> so, so who do you vote for? Yeah. So who do you vote for? Right. Um, and oh. like now you kind of look into the Texas Railroad Commission and you're like. Oh, actually, this might be important because uh, what they actually do is they regulate oil and gas. Hmm. Oh. They used to basically be um, what OPEC is now. So they regulated the amount of production of oil and they set global oil prices. And then they became the model for OPEC when there was a Saudi student in Texas who then went back to Saudi Arabia and created OPEC that then became the global oil sort of regulation uh, mechanism. And they prevent like companies from undercutting each other. But they, um, the Texas Railroad Commission also like makes sure the laws around oil and gas production are enforced. Okay. So, uh-huh. so now we're getting into this like, okay, well, maybe this is an important election. Like uh-huh. the the second candidate who died died actually because an oil tanker tanker <gasps> hit him, and this is like a huge problem here because oh my god there's no policing there's no traffic policing and like everybody is working crazy hours and moving oil and gas and fracking infrastructure around in the Permian Basin. This is the biggest climate polluter in the world like you'll read wow. you'll read yeah you'll read articles about like russia being a giant tri- uh climate mm-hmm. polluter this is it the permian basin is where the climate bomb is happening so now it's kind of like huh well if they're in charge of that like what else are they doing and huh? it turns out that when the oil companies pack up um like if oil prices dip low enough the oil companies have to pack up and they shut down their wells and they leave but then the mm. wells explode and <gasps> they vent oh my God. methane and they also like just geyser this polluted water into into like the world and there are these giant toxic lakes around us oh my God. yeah that are um that are like basically the texas railroad commission's problem Okay, Erica, you live in Mad Max. I live okay? in Mad Max. Yeah, yeah. This is the most interesting thing in the world to me. Okay, so now we're <laughs> down to a guy who's allowing this pollution to happen, who is mm-hmm. a Grammy-nominated gospel singer. And well, okay. Yeah. So he's uh, he's Wayne Christian, um, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, so this wasn't the the last one, but the previous election. So I, um, and then this topless woman whose name is Sarah Stogner. <laughs> Okay. At this point, I'm like, okay, what are her policies? <laughs> yeah, right. You know, like, but, but, like, so when when I first heard about this, and like for several months, I was just like, I can't, 
I can't believe it. It's so Texan, right? Uh huh. You know, uh-huh. what would be your assumptions about this woman? Like, I thought she was going to be in her, like, 20s and, uh-huh. like, a big, you know, Texas weirdo with the big, you know, Texas hat and the, the, uh-huh. the long hair and the, you know, the cowboy boots and everything. Okay. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> she's an oil and gas lawyer. Like, she does, um, oh. yeah, she does policy work. She's, I guess she's in her 30s or 40s. She's probably in her her late 30s now. And she knows that in this region of the world, there is no way that you're going to win this this Texas Railroad Commissioner position as a Democrat. Uh mm -hmm. Uh. So she has Ah. this, like, look at her, her, like, long-form campaign ad. She says, I'm Sarah Stogner, and I've always fought the liberal anti-oil politicians and the woke corporations that are bankrolling them, right? She Uh knows uh all of the words, but when you read the interviews with her, she's like, we have to fix the climate problem. There's no way to do this. I cannot get anybody's attention, and, like, this is really important and like that's incredible all i want to do is have clean water and clean air and i don't understand why this is such a like such a problem here so when i ran i didn't want to leave anything on the table i wanted Uh to get as much attention as possible so she did this thing as a joke and then people started voting for her and she lost by the slimmest margin wow the slimmest margin so so maybe next time she gets in. So she's up again in 2024. So this, We really are stronger with Stogner. I know. This is a roller coaster. I know. It's, it, it really is. And it, it's, so, it's so much weirder. And like, so this last one that we voted in was um, she endorsed the Democrat. And everybody was like, what? How could you endorse a Democrat? You're a conservative Texan mom. And she has, like, a campaign ad, like, leading him to, like, walking up the the thing to get on top of the pump jack. Like, it's your turn. Um, But but he's Jewish. And Wayne Christian ran his Uh uh, political slogan was the only Christian in the race. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Okay. So, like, so this is what we're dealing with. And, like... (laughs) <laughs> Nobody has any standards and people are nuts. Oh, but if you look very closely, like Sarah Stogner, and you should watch this topless video of her because it's fucking hot, right? Like <laughs> she's, yeah, she's like, she a, looks great. She's a hot bodied yeah. lady. She is like our best chance at like solving the climate crisis. And like, oh. I'm almost ready to drop everything that I'm doing to go campaign yeah. for Stronger with Stogner. And I yeah. like I can't get the the little song out of my head, and maybe we can get <laughs> Esper to like clip it in here. Oh yeah, so the song is uh, it's the uh, Sugar Hill Gang cover of Apache, which is an inspired choice for that kind of ad. I know, and like it's so racist that particular song (laughs) in other states this would be like disqualifying to anybody Mm -hmm. and it works so well in the in the topless pump jack video it's oh man contagious she she just she did it like top to bottom she's got a she's got an incredible sense of humor like one of the interviews with her was written by this person yeah russell gold and 
he goes to her and he says, like, hey, you lost your endorsement in Texas from from like the San Antonio uh, newspaper. Like, but there's this other politician who's been tweeting this like, um, you know, horrible QAnon conspiracy theory stuff that's like very oh. like actually threatening to Democrats who uh, didn't lose his uh, his like endorsement. What do you think about that? She says to Russell, the the writer. She replied, "I have boobs." Welcome to having <laughs> boobs, Russell. When you have boobs, you get held to different standards. And oh, she's just she like she's unapologetically herself. And like mm-hmm. I I I'm I'm totally in love with this woman. Like she's That's incredible. me too now. Yeah, yeah. And it took like three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Like once you understand where this woman is coming from and what she's trying mm-hmm. to achieve with her nudity, like yeah. it's incredible. Like I believe That's in this great. person. She might she might do it. She might solve the climate crisis. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I wanted you to be aware of that and then of course like, yeah. I'll share uh I'll share the stronger with Stogner uh pump jack video in the show notes. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's inspiring. Yeah, it's worth a watch. Yeah, yeah. What did you think like when you when you first saw it though? <laughs> I was like what? well first I was like cuz I was watching on my phone and I was like is she naked? <laughs> And then I had to watch it a few times. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, I think she's naked riding an oil pump. Yep, that's her. Yep, that's her. Yeah, yeah she has other videos on TikTok where she's like twerking at the sunrise and stuff like that. <laughs> those are also those are also pretty good. <laughs> I, it made me think of um, of Sarah Palin. Yeah, who had a little yeah. bit of that going on, where like she mm-hmm. was attractive and played into a little bit i remember like her giving interviews where she would wink at the camera (laughs) (laughs) yeah i guess that's why people liked her is like she had um stage presence yeah i think so Uh, yeah she was the woman who could case dress a moose or what was the thing? I don't field dress. Oh, field dress a moose yeah field do you even know what that is i assume it's something you do with a moose after you shoot it yeah, you remove the gasket. <laughs> she got it. That's what you do. That's what you do. Yeah, you remove the, You have to remove all the gaskets from the moose in the field mm-hmm. to get it like mm-hmm. back to your hunting lodge or whatever. Yeah, but that was her. That was her platform. Was that she could field dress a moose? Field dress a moose because that's gonna come up. <laughs> I, know. I know it's important to New Yorkers and to Floridians. Yeah, you know what's funny? She could have run uh, with Teddy Roosevelt as his VP and probably made it in. <laughs> Maybe I don't think they had women back in those ages. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, please don't feel bad for me living in this. Um, hellhole like it's the most interesting thing i've ever done (laughs) (laughs) that seems like a great way to get stories yeah indeed (laughs) i'm glad you're not bored (laughs) yes i may even like add campaign manager to my executive producer status uh, for sarah's doctor eventually oh incredible uh are we ready ready for another topic then yes please sure Jenny, your topic is what is and isn't ahegao prescriptivistly. Yeah, so I got really annoyed. I got so annoyed that I had to log back into Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Somebody served me an ad on the internet that was like a, a holiday sweatshirt with um uh Princess Zelda like uh wearing a Nintendo Switch t-shirt that went down like basically um two or a little below crotch level that she was then like pulling down so that the shirt would not be obscene and she was looking embarrassed about it as one would if they were just if somebody didn't give them pants and they were on a um and the the shirt had a nintendo switch on it uh-huh i don't know mm-hmm. i'm not sure what yeah it was like a like a confluence of weeby gamer shit <laughs> right um yeah but then it was it was advertised to me as a like an a Hegel zelda shirt and i got it was like 4 a.m <laughs> just on the, scrolling scrolling social media just getting angry by myself um <laughs> because words words mean things and just being embarrassed and kind of blushing in a sexualized way is not a hegao which is specifically like an exaggerated over-the-top orgasm face yeah right. so what what is the ahe in ahe gao because gao or how is like face um from what i what i've read about it it's ahe ahe which is like panting onomatopoeia ah okay yeah. sure yeah yeah well then blushing definitely doesn't count no it absolutely does not count <laughs> yeah. do you think do you think that they made the actual face and then it didn't pass internal sensors or something <laughs> oh maybe so like okay we, we have to tone this down to just her being embarrassed because she has no pants well whose claim was it that it was an, an ahegao it was whoever wrote the copy that got served to me in the Okay, well, that could be anybody. Yeah. It could be literally If, if I were to make a guess, so I've been putting videos on YouTube for a while now, and poking around the interface, one of the things YouTube gives people who make videos is they can, like, find out what people have been searching for. <laughs> I was also going to bring this up with Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of people are searching for a Higao shirts. Sure. And so we're like, well, let's let's uh let's let's put one out there, even if it doesn't quite fit. Here's the art we have. Sure, sure. And I get that. I get that. Uh, capitalism. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, familiar. It's still like we we live in a society. Right. Right. Yeah. Huh, interesting. So this made you angry though. Yes, I got really <laughs> Like, would it have... Um... Like, next time this happens, just come on the Topic Lords Discord and we will commiserate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't use yeah. up a show slot for this. No, I just kidding. Well, so Jim told me to come on and talk just, about it I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, he, he specifically, like, sought you out after you made that tweet to be like, hey, can you talk about this on the show? <laughs> I don't know if it was like, can you? I think it was like, you could... <laughs> You could talk about this on Topic Lords, um, probably because I, I need to schedule somebody and you're never doing anything. <laughs> I'm, I'm interested. I don't want to like, um, uh, I guess I could go into private browser mode, but I don't, mm. I, I actually don't want to see this stuff just to see like the range of things that like, um, 
you would get if you Googled yeah. out to see, like, you know, is there a range of things that is considered this or is it just this one piece? Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. Now I want to see, like, the heat map. Oh, this is like the guts pose where it, it could be anything. <laughs> the what pose? Oh, I, I got, well, okay. This is, see, this is the problem with this show <laughs> is that I have different guests on every oh, time. You talk, uh, guts yeah. pose was a topic with two other guests. And if I explain it to both of you, I'm just repeating the things the yeah, listeners have heard. and you're just repeating the content. Okay. It's my fault for not the listening sh- to every episode. <laughs> That's right. You <laughs> fucked it up. Uh, the short version is that the Guts pose, named after Guts Ishimatsu, who was a boxer in Japan in the 70s, oh. uh, and he had this very- Wait, was I on this episode? I don't remember. <laughs> I think I was. I'm the worst. <laughs> uh, and he had this- like specific like victory pose that became called the guts pose and now guts pose just means like any victory pose as far as i can tell huh. oh that's a bummer you know what they should do to sort of reinforce what guts pose is though is to give it to guts man and mega man yeah that would oh. and then people would be like oh it's guts man pose, it's guts man's like, pose. no no it's yeah. guts pose yeah <laughs> so i feel like um, from from my understanding of Ahigao and also looking at image search results, I feel like a crucial <laughs> brave, brave element <laughs> of the face is the crossed eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the crossed mm-hmm. eyes and the yeah. and the tongue, right? The tongue hanging out. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. No, like this is not like um this is not a normal embarrassed face. This is like a and this is also like not a, a normal orgasm face. <laughs> No, yeah. It's way over the top. And it's interesting. I was reading about it today in preparation for coming on this podcast. And I didn't know that like e-girls, um, like Belle Delphine specifically, and e-girls had kind of uh, adopted, co-opted, whatever, the face where it was can you, like- Can you tell us what an e-girl is? An electronic okay, girl. Right. <laughs> So it's kind of like a, uh, I would have to understand it more to super explain okay, it, but I was enough. reading about it earlier. It's, um, is it a human? It's, it's a human. <laughs> okay. It's a, a human person who is kind of like online and, um, has a, a, like an alternative kind of style that kind of encompasses like skate stuff. Like basically it's what anyone our age would just recognize as like an alternative type person mm-hmm, from mm-hmm. when we were 20. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. okay like so a- wait, is this like in the, the 90s we had goths and then uh-huh. in the oddies we had emo. Is the e-girl Ooh. like the next step? I th- I think not specifically necessarily that line. I think it's like a branching line off of like uh maybe like skate punk um converging with like just gamer culture. Okay. All yeah, right. we need a phylogeny of these uh of these girls. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need to I need to be able to present you with a a branching tree of girls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The the interesting thing about that uh what you what you listed as the defining characteristics of the facial expression is that they when they kind of co-opted it that was basically like they're not necessarily doing an orgasm face. They are crossing their eyes and sticking their tongue out. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so so about the the Princess Zelda shirt. Um mm-hmm. what are the minimum characteristics that you 
would have to see to not be angry about that. <laughs> um, uh, basically, like, uh, like what it's it- a little bit like that, like that video game. Is it soup? <laughs> That's not what that was called, but whatever the yeah, the is it soup video game was. I would have to be able to look at her face and go like, okay, that's soup. And I think um, it would be, because like, yeah, her eyes, so her eyes are not back, they're not crossed. Yeah, the prescriptivist Ahego Mm -hmm. is soup. Mm Mm-hmm. It is, (laughs) (laughs) it is soup. Okay. All right, okay, okay. Yeah, she doesn't have her tongue out. She just like, she's kind of blushing in a, like a, a porny way. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It has to be like something that like you you could not do on a bus without getting uh, yeah without getting like yeah. ejected from the bus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and okay, the I guess the next question is: Is Ahagao sexy? Like, is it supposed to be like is oh, is Betty Boop supposed to be question. sexy? <laughs> yeah, she's got. She's got that little body and the huge head with the cheeks. Yeah. Like, that's supposed uh, to be like, that's supposed to be uh, sexy to somebody. And is. <laughs> I feel like, hmm. My feeling is you take what you want to take from it. I've heard that the Ahega face is not necessarily sexy, right? Like, you can't define mm-hmm. sexy for somebody else, but it's like a, yeah. a horny face. It's a face that people make yeah. to indicate horniness. It's a sexual face. It's a, it's absolutely a sexual face. Yeah. Um, and it's in like a, like a sexual, and I feel like you, you can relate with it on that level or like at this point it's so memefied that like, yeah. yeah, you can, you can detach a little bit and be like, I'm wearing this like hilarious fucking ridiculous meme orgasm face. Because I'm edgelord. I just did a image search for Betty Boop Ahigal. Oh God! What uh, happened? There is a there is one relevant result. Oh no! Oh, no. oh wow! It's bad, folks. <laughs> oh yeah, no! I'm doing I'm not it now. Do it. No, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Oh God! Oh, not for me, thank you. Okay, <laughs> I've let's seen see. enough horrors in my in my short life. <laughs> <laughs> oh okay, yeah. If if they hadn't labeled it Betty Boop, I would not rec- have ne- recognized her as Betty Boop, though. Yeah, so. same. Let me ask you, Jim Stormdancer, All right, I'm ready. sexy face <laughs> expert, uh-huh. uh, yeah. is the Betty Boop Ahego face sexy? No, no, not <laughs> even a little. Okay, well, you're right, Jenny. This is a prescriptivist kind of thing. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. Oh, I found the, in the, in the Betty Boop Ahagao results, I found that Zelda shirt. Oh, did you? What do you think? Uh, that's a little bit sexy. But that, but this is not yeah, the point. Oh, yeah, and I'm not, I'm not saying it's not sexy. Wait, what was the question then? Like, is it Ahagao? Oh, hang on. I, I clicked on it and now I have to wait for it to load. Uh, no, she's not crossing her wow. eyes, and her tongue is not out. She, no, she, she yeah, just, yeah, not it's out. Just, and now you're mining Bitcoin. It's just an you. open mouth. <laughs> Otakuplan.com. Oh. What is the Otaku plan? I don't know. What is Otaku's plan for us? <laughs> I hope. Know. I hope we can get them to support Stogner, though. Whatever the plan. Oh, is. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> I feel like I feel like the otaku would be on board. She just needs to start doing ahegao on the pump. I mean, and then she's got the. If uh, you read the comments and in, in the YouTube thing where she posted it again, there just thousands of people saying like, "You have nothing to hide. I'm voting for you." 
<laughs> yeah. That's I think so you're funny. right. I think we could win climate with uh, Ahe Gao. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. Are we, we're done with the show. We're gonna go. We're gonna go do that now. Yeah, we're all. We're gonna go do yes. that now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This show is canceled. Yeah, this is the last episode of Topic Lords. Next week, join us on yep. on Project Lords. <laughs> Project, <laughs> Project Lords is a very good name for a show. That's actually great. Yeah. yeah, we've changed formats plenty of times. We got the poem in there. We got the music video oh, thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Pro- Project yeah, Lords yeah. is has legs. <laughs> Let's do it. Jim, are you ready for a new topic? All right, yes. Uh, my topic Jim what what what's that? Your topic okay, is okay. wanna feel old. <laughs> yes, I do. Ten hilarious <laughs> Okay, well we can stop there then. <laughs> Ten hilarious examples of anti piracy measures in video games. So this was a an article on screen rant. It's a listicle. Mm. And I don't want to read the whole listicle because it's not worth it. Uh, but it has, you know, stuff like, oh, when you, if you're playing a pirated copy of Mirror's Edge, you slow down while you're sliding so you can't finish the tutorial. You can't, you miss a jump. Or like the train controls don't appear in Legend of Zelda Spirit Tracks, so you crash every time. Um, hmm. <laughs> but one of them is just like describing code wheels. And it's like in The Secret of Monkey Island, it would show you a pirate's face and you would have to rotate the code wheel to match the face and then type in the number. And the wheel was only available with the copy of the game. Oh, it's like a physical thing? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And so the part that's hilarious here is that the person reading this is very old. (laughs) (laughs) And this was just life back then. When I I posted about this on, on, I forget which service it was, uh, someone replied with a link to a, um, a website that has JavaScript implementations of code wheels of like 50 different <laughs> 90s video games. Oh my God. Wow. Which is incredible. Wow. What a labor of love. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ. All of this stuff. Like, where is this all going to be in the future? I, I remember I listened to an interview with the guy who runs um, – the Lucky Juju Pinball Museum, if that's still the name, I don't remember. Mm. But on Alameda Island, there's a uh, just a guy. As far, as far as I can tell, he's just independently wealthy, and for a while he was a pinball collector. And he was like, "Why don't I just make these available to the public to play?" And because he could afford to rent a space, he just put them out there, and people you can go in there play pinball. I was listening to an interview with him where he was someone asked him, "Do you think there's going to be a place like this in a hundred years?" And he was like, "No, because." The, nobody's going to be nobody still alive is going to be nostalgic for pinball uh. and i i do feel like this sort of preservation effort I, th- I think something has to be super inherently interesting to outlast the people who loved it and mm. code wheels no they're just nostalgic for the people who who lived through it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. interesting i mean i i guess this is happen throughout history and we don't we don't have any like um sadness yeah. over like uh some game that our stone age ancestors played right that is no longer interesting <laughs> to us i don't even care about chess uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah there was like anti-piracy drm on go right <laughs> yo yeah we're, we're playing the broken version like if you paid for it the rules were way better <laughs> oh no 
Oh, that's awful. I think in the future, just the AI is going to determine whether you're the kind of person who would pirate a game. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then they just hit your electrodes. and. Yeah. No, you. regardless of whether I pay for something, the AI knows like you're I'm, mm-hmm. I'm the kind of person who would <laughs> steal from the Disney Corporation without a second thought. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> the video game uh, museum. Do they have these mm. code wheels like in their collections? Do you think? Uh, they definitely do because the well, so the maid specifically is what I can speak to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the maid has a lot of boxed copies of games, but for the most part, they what they have on display is consoles because that's the like way more people played console games than played PC games, and that's what they're coming into play. And for the most part, they have um, you don't like get out the individual cartridges for each game. They have like um modern. Like put everything on while you one USB stick interfaces for oh, it. Oh yeah. Um, and if yeah. they're going to be showing a PC game, they will usually have an installation type setup for it. Okay. When I was doing co working at the Maid, we just had the run of the place, so we definitely like opened up some of these boxes and played the games because the computers are there, the the boxes are there. Um, but I bet if uh you wanted to do that like during open hours, you would have to ask a volunteer to do it for to set it up for you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so so the the preservation of the code wheels is like the same thing in some ways as the preservation of the packaging it, oh. it well yeah it's it's part of the 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 whole the the gestalt but if you do the work to preserve the entire um set including the packaging then the code wheel is also there it's yes, not like yeah. these are like free floating in the world and they have to be kind of reunited with stuff. Like if you can I bet you could go on eBay and find curate. just like here's just the code wheel from a from Secret of Monkey Island. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you you but, could find it that but way. Like but like a well-preserved package right, will they will be right, together. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that makes me feel better about the like one bit of entropy preserved in the universe <laughs> yeah well it turns out like yeah. it turns out people who who like video games really give a shit about this stuff it's the uh uh-huh. it's non-game software that's just lost uh-huh uh-huh yeah 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 we we talked about or this. like yeah. software or like games for girls that stuff's gone yeah yeah mm, yeah there's no loopy emulator What's Loopy? Uh, the Casio Loopy was a game console targeted at girls. It had a like the the gimmick that I remember it having was that it you it had a printer and you could print stickers. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, but like the cool. games themselves, yeah. Yeah. there's like I I don't think there's any way to play them. And so like the kind of like YouTuber who will yeah. you know load up a game to make fun of it, all they can do is make fun of like the box art. Yeah, this is um this is a human rights issue if you're like er- yeah. erasing the culture of like one group specifically, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, like actually, yeah. There was um there was a, it reminds me of something that is is like archaeological. Like there was um some kind of like thing that they kept digging up in cities that was like um some kind of like octagonal prism or something with a hole in it and and like nails or something and um they imagined it was like a sacred object or something because like every mm-hmm. every house had one and then they thought, oh no, it's a, a toy or something. 
And then they handed it to some, like, women in, I can't remember, like, Uzbekistan or something. And they, like, they put yarn on it and they, like, wove something. They wove, like, a little rope through the center of it. Like, they recognized it from their own culture. Um, But, like, this is not something that archaeologists understood in any context because they had never seen anything like it in modern day Mm -hmm. culture. Yeah. Somebody's gonna find my diva cup in like 10,000 years and assume (laughs) that it was a sacred object. Yeah, 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 like it was a blood reservoir for my little sacrifice altar. (laughs) Right, of course. (laughs) I mean, that's what you use it for in the off hours, right? (laughs) Right, because in 10,000 years, there still aren't going to be any women archaeologists. Not not the way these these days are going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was chastised by the the dean of the university, or was it the dean? Is the dean of research at the university here? Um, I'm not allowed to mentor students until my title comes through. <laughs> and I oh, yeah. I wrote back a stern warning that said like I am a research scientist at UT Austin. And uh, you can't tell me not to mentor students. Like, if students come to me for mentorship, I'm mentoring them. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I may not be able to mentor through your university because you promised me a title. And, yeah, and now it turns out that y'all suck. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, I feel like uh, women's culture gets... uh, gets recognized and suppressed in waves and that wave is like temporal and spatial and stuff like that so so everybody yeah. everybody listening to this show make it your your goal on project lords to emulate the loopy <laughs> for 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 women everywhere <laughs> there was a uh, the new york times crossword from tuesday and tuesday is supposed to be a really easy day Mm-hmm. I had a hell mm-hmm. of a time with it. It ended up taking me 45 minutes to do that one puzzle. And it was mostly because, like, it was about women's stuff. Women's <laughs> <laughs> stuff. Like, okay. there were three, four, five, at least seven, like, long themed answers that were all names of famous women that I didn't know. I, I knew, like, oh, half of no. them. Uh, and then, and then, like, seven more about just the loopy. <laughs> <laughs> if only there was an emulator. If only there was a woman here who could tell me what the loopy uh-huh. is all about. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like a real, I don't know, I don't know what, what it was, but it was just like, I definitely noticed mm. it happening. Like, sh- this mm. is way harder than it ought to be because yeah, yeah, I haven't yeah. been paying attention to like, I knew who Ada Lovelace was. I knew uh-huh. I I like I'd heard like I'd heard Eva Mendez's name. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd heard of Ida B. Wells, but like the rest of them were like, who did write the vagina monologues? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. That's you got it. You got it. I got uh, it from the crosses. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say Wendy something, but I think that's the protagonist. <laughs> yeah. So that was my lesson for Tuesday. Yeah, learn your women so you can do your games correctly. That's, that's right. <laughs> Are we ready for another topic? Sure. For this poem, we're doing we're doing the lanyard by Billy Collins. Who would like to read this poem? Um, I'm gonna read it because uh, I chose it. It's kind of a a women thing. Okay, all right. 
<laughs> Can you do um, your girl voice? Yeah, I'm going to do my girl voice, but it uh, it's actually um, written by a guy, and uh, it's written from a male perspective. Um, I, I'll do my woman voice because that's the voice that I have. Okay, all right. Um, I, I heard this on the radio, and the guy who read it, now this is several years ago, um, read it in a particular way that I'm going to try and emulate. Uh, okay, so... The Lanyard by Billy Collins. The other day, I was ricocheting slowly off the blue walls of this room, moving as if underwater from typewriter to piano, from bookshelf to an envelope lying on the floor, when I found myself in the L section of the dictionary, where my eyes fell upon the word lanyard. No cookie nibbled by a French novelist could send one into the past more suddenly. A past where I sat at a workbench at a camp, by a deep Adirondack lake, learning how to braid long, thin plastic strips into a lanyard, a gift for my mother. I had never seen anyone use a lanyard, or wear one, if that's what you did with them. But that did not keep me from crossing the strand over strand again and again, until I had made a boxy red and white lanyard for my mother. She gave me life and milk from her breasts, and I gave her a lanyard. She nursed me in many a sick room, lifted spoons of medicine to my lips, laid cold face cloths on my forehead, and then led me out into the airy light, and taught me how to walk and swim, and I in turn presented her with a lanyard. Here are thousands of meals, she said, and here is clothing and a good education. And here is your lanyard, I replied, <laughs> which I made with a little help from a counselor. Here is a breathing body and a beating heart, strong legs, bones, and teeth, and two clear eyes to read the world, she whispered. And here, I said, is the lanyard I made at camp. And here, I wish to say to her now, is a smaller gift, not the worn truth that you can never repay your mother, but the rueful admission that when she took the two-tone lanyard from my hand, I was sure as a boy could be, that this useless, worthless thing I wove out of boredom would be enough to make us even. Okay, that's that, it. That's, yeah. I, I've never really <laughs> thought about the idea of like repaying my parents for for raising me. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, and thinking back on it, like, like thinking about how would I even do that? Like, I feel like having, yeah. like giving... Like having Winston was the is the closest thing I could do, and it's really more like paying it mm-hmm. forward. But it's also like, mm-hmm. in in a way, like it's their genetic line continuing. So in, in a way, it's it's also a a, a gift to them. And mm-hmm. and certainly, my mom mm-hmm. uh, loves interacting with Winston. It's it's been a big a big like improvement in her life is is his presence. So that does make me feel good. Before you had your kid, though. Um, like when you were younger, did you ever make something like silly for your mom and you were like real proud of it? I don't remember. I've definitely, I definitely have given her silly gifts that I made, but I don't remember being as convinced about their value as this kid. (laughs) Um, and like, yeah, I'm I'm like before I had Winston, like what I would have thought was like, well, the way I would honor my mother's contribution to my life is just to live a, as good a life as I can. Mm. Yeah. Like, so this, this is coming from a, like, even as a child, this is coming from a pretty alien perspective from mine. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, like, every time we talk about these poems that touch on something, like, emotional, like, uh, you bring up your connection with your son. And I, I feel like a lot of parents are like this, right? Like, the mm. like having a kid crystallizes so much about how you feel about your family and the world and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, it's not surprising to me at all that you read a story about, like, a little kid doing something silly um and and like immediately like your thought goes to your son yeah but like it is it is that young mind thinking about like how much you like love your parents somehow and like how uh how you make them like the little popsicle stick you know person and give it to them and you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) you you know like uh, it's kind of um it's hard at this age for me like i'm in my 40s now like it's it's hard for me to remember those very very like early kind of emotions like those are things that you grow past and forget and i i love this poem just because like it's so connected to that that early sense of like this is how this is how i love my mom is that i give her the lanyard you know <laughs> um yeah you know? and like i i wonder actually like next time like when uh winston does something like silly for you you're gonna be like winston like have i told you about the time that you you know gave me a <laughs> lanyard and it'll be like a little story that you can tell <laughs> yeah the other thing that it made me not to dominate the conversation like being about my memories it made me think of uh i had recently watched like a concert concert footage with suzanne vega mm-hmm. uh mm. do you know the song gypsy yeah it's, yeah, it's from the Solitude Standing album. This is a song that I, I think is like probably my favorite track on the album. Like, obviously, this is a this is a concert from like the modern era. So, this is a song that is like for her fans has stood the test of time as something that is like worth remembering for twenty five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and she told the story of how uh, how she came to write it when she was eighteen. She had had you know she had whirlwind romance with someone who was visiting from London and one day he had to leave. And so he wrote, or she wrote this song about him and sang it to him as a, as a, as a departing gift. And he gave her his bandana. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was the reaction of the audience as well. It's like to laugh at the, the idea that like, this is a matching gift. Right. Right. But like, right. she wasn't famous at the time. Right. She was yeah. just someone like, but although like you can, tell by listening to it that this is a really good song um mm-hmm. uh, i'm sure he didn't know to have a song prepared for her <laughs> that's <also>. right yeah <laughs> oh shit i better give her something <laughs> she's a songwriter what is she gonna want i'll write her a song <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's what that made me think of did you ever make anything for your parents that you can remember I'm sure I must have, because I did go to summer camp, and the uh, the thing there was God's eyes. What's that? Yeah, not familiar. It you take you take two sticks, like uh, two popsicle sticks or two sticks you find in the woods. Oh, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you're. Yeah, 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 yeah I know this. The, yeah. the yarn. All right, keep the keep talking because I don't get the it yet. Yarn. <laughs> yeah. So you take um, it's just a specific way that you wrap. So you start in the center of the sticks and you go like like one tick clockwise. Usually you can go. The sticks are in a cross to. and you tie. Yeah, the sticks are in a cross. Okay. You tie them together. All right. Then, yeah. I have a picture in my head to the extent yeah. that I am yeah. capable of so doing you go that like at all. Around. Mm-hmm. 
over and around and then over and around and then over and around. And you keep doing it until you have basically like a diamond diamond shape of yarn on these two sticks. And, yeah, and then your parents are supposed to keep it in their home forever. A- absolutely useless, useless. Object. like more useless than a, a lanyard. Yeah, right, yeah, right. No, they, they have to put it on the fridge until it rots. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is kind of nice um, that parents have you know like the brain rot that that makes them you know. Um, I sh- I shouldn't say brain rot exactly like the uh, <laughs> the, uh, the the mind altering chemical uh, the, yeah the mind altering euphoria chemicals that like when your child is actively smearing feces on you you're like yes, this is this adorable is fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, and I think that that honey can you come replace our son's butt gasket. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, but I think probably the mom's estimation of that lanyard was way higher than the poet's mm-hmm. estimation. Or if not estimation, yeah. then at least appreciation of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like there's no expectation. Like, Winston is a terrible artist still. <laughs> and, I, and yet, like, and he can't sing on key to save his life, but I still... Aww. Appreciate it every time he does. Aww. Lately, he's been going around the house singing Jingle Bell Rock, which, <laughs> which is really cute. Oh, that sounds delightful. So I'm old enough to remember uh, when it was normal to like make an ashtray out of clay and glaze it yeah. and give it to your parents. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because everybody's parents smoked. And then, like, a few yeah. years later, you had to transition to, like, no, it's a candy dish. Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. I, I I feel like I built a lot of um, clay things that had no purpose whatsoever that were, like, little mm. little bowls of various dimensions yeah. that weren't, weren't ever used for anything. Yeah. I, d- I remember in Woodshop making a gumball dispenser. Whoa. <laughs> Because you know how you need to dispense gumballs. This would this would make for like a terrible poem. Like the other, <laughs> you know, like learning how to build a gumball dispenser, a gift for my mother. I had never seen uh-huh. anyone use a gumball dispenser <laughs> or wear yeah. one. Yeah, it doesn't have the same kind of uh, emotional uh, mm-hmm. tenor. Yeah, this sounds like an excellent way to convince your mother to get you a big bag of gumballs. Like a gumballs. Yeah. yeah, actually. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. The word lanyard itself does a lot of work in that book. Yeah, but the the guy who I heard read it, and I don't I don't know what show this was on, if it was on The Moth or something. Um mm. he was really like uh deeply kind of like pushing like lanyard, you know, like really uh pronouncing every letter of that word. Um nice. Yeah, it was it was a good reading the audience was like very 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 uh responsive um it, it was cool like i think he got the point across i don't know if it was the the guy who wrote it or not he's like what like the national poet of scotland or this something? guy billy collins yeah I have no idea yeah he's somebody i think uh, i'm gonna look him up so i'm just like not like blatantly wrong oh didn't he play miracle max in the princess bride <laughs> Oh, he is an American poet. He's got quite a few titles. 
They say he's a regular okay. guest on National Public Radio programs, so maybe he read it himself. Yeah. Okay, maybe he did read it himself, yeah. Uh, he wrote a collection of poems called Taking Off Emily Dickinson's Clothes. I think he, uh, oh, I think wow. this is a person with a sense of humor. Okay, let's hope. <laughs> Stronger <laughs> with Emily Dickinson. <laughs> Are we ready for another topic? Sure. Uh, Jenny, your topic is the what the fuck genre of narrative and why it frequently has an unsatisfying ending. Chris was out of town for three weeks, so I consumed like so much media and I watched a show called 1899 on Netflix, which is from some Germans. They also did a show called Dark, Mm -hmm. uh, which is not not necessarily what what the fuck, but it got me really thinking about like the genre of thing that um, was kind of like crystallized in the TV show Lost back oh, in the day, yeah. where it's not, yeah, it's not necessarily about anything other than like mysterious things. It's like a sequence of yeah. mysterious things happening, mm-hmm. yeah. And um, so I, 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 I was just like thinking about this because I also had to water 500 fucking plants. <laughs> so. well, by the time you're done watering the 500th plant, the first one needs water again. Yeah, the first one needs watering again. Actually, they didn't. I totally overwatered them. Oh. <laughs> I know. Most of them are fine. Um, yeah. Maybe this is why the this uh, genre of narrative has a, an unsatisfying ending is because you have to water 500 plants. <laughs> you have to, to water 500 and plants. And it ends when you overwater them all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I think that um, that w- one, honestly, one reason that these tend to, and like Lost famously ended in a really unsatisfying way that I don't, yeah. I don't remember what it was. I never watched it. But it was something like, I don't know, they were on a plane and then like a giant panda showed up and said, I'm God. <laughs> You're in my dream. I hope that's, that's the way it ended. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely canon. I don't canon. think that's the, uh, the thing that I read on Wikipedia. But, uh, <laughs> uh, go look again. Go look again. Okay, okay. She's going to change the Wikipedia page. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, oh. Well, we'll have to fix the uh, the poem because I just accidentally did some comedy typing directly into the topic bucket spreadsheet <laughs> <laughs> and fucked up our poem. Comedy typing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I, I I think that one reason, honestly, is that people people who create what the fucks are like they learn the trick of oh I just need to drop a new hook. I just need to, like, leave a new mystery or a new, like, absolutely bizarre thing that's happened um, somewhere uh, towards or at the end of the episode. And then people have to watch the next one. And I think, like, frequently they're maybe not, they're maybe not necessarily thinking about how they can wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is really common that people conceive of these stories mystery first. Mm-hmm. People love mystery. And mystery is a really powerful storytelling tool to use. Even like having a mystery in a story that you never solve, that's okay too. And it's just a matter of like, I think it's just a matter of degrees where like the what the fuck genre specifically, like I I would assume that like what that says to me and I assume what that means to you is that like Mm -hmm. they're leaning on the mystery in a way that like this, this is what the story is about. 
and they don't have a solution. They don't have the answers. Yep, absolutely. And and yeah. like even the ones that don't conceive of the mystery, like conceive of the story mystery first, um, it's still an effective marketing hook to have the mystery. Yeah. Oh yeah. And absolutely. so like you can have a thousand of these shows. Uh, and the ones that are going to market best are the ones that have the best mystery, not the one that have the satisfying ending. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. so what is a satisfying ending to what the fuck? Like, is it is it something that wraps up all the themes or is it like unsatisfying because like the whole point is just for it to continue? So like the, the end is actually like uh, not consistent with the genre. Yeah, great question. So I, I would I would I give know, examples, yeah. but like I don't want to spoil anything. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. <laughs> oh, by the way, for spoilers, um, uh-huh. uh huh. You know uh, how like uh, you didn't want David to spoil Tale of Genji yeah, for you, yeah, Tale of Genji, even though it's yeah. like the oldest novel, <laughs> the literally the oldest novel. Yeah, and so yeah. you were getting nervous when David was talking to Max about what was in the Tale of Genji. Well, David just read a second version, a second translation oh. of the Tale of Genji. Is it different? It's different. And I mean, <gasps> it's, it's the same content, but it's like, it's a very mm-hmm. different sort of um, uh, feel to it because the protagonists are given names, which they're not like in the in the Japanese version. Um, mm-hmm. uh, or sorry, not the protagonist, but all of the characters. Um, and uh, he... After he finished the book, which is enormous, he put it down and he said, can we do a Zoom call with Jenny? I would like to spoil <laughs> this entire <laughs> book spoil for her. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm just going to hide from your husband. <laughs> yeah. yeah but, um, so I think, scary. I, think I, can, I think I can define one thing that makes a what the fuck ending especially unsatisfying. So I feel like a lot of What's happening in a what the fuck is that reality is behaving unrealistically. Like, that's kind of like you can boil down to that. And I feel like there's a big temptation to explain it as, um, oh, well, if reality is behaving unrealistically, it's because, like, it was it was all a god's dream. It was all a simulation. It was none of it was real. And then, like, and you can, it's really easy to do that in a way that completely erases any of like the stakes for the characters yeah yeah Uh, but also i have seen movies that do that in a way that where the stakes are the stakes are are still there like because the characters are in a sense still real yeah yeah and you totally can do it like the matrix does it by having that reveal like in the first third of the movie (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's like that's not what it's about Yeah, well, I mean, so I don't know about, I don't know if maybe ending is a little bit of a, a misdirect here, because what you want is a, a solution to the mystery. And the mystery is like, why are these weird things happening? And you want yeah. like a single event that explains why this, why well, these weird th- different things are happening. And the way you do that as a storyteller, mm-hmm. you don't come up with a bunch of weird events happening first. You come up with a weird right. thing that would cause a bunch of yeah. weird events. Yeah. And then you write the story backwards from there. Mm-hmm. But that's way harder than just coming up with a bunch of weird oh, things that yeah. happen. <laughs> yeah, especially if you don't know like how many seasons your show's going to be right. in advance. Yeah. Yeah, if you're absolutely convinced the show's going to be canceled after one season, like which is apparently true with Lost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh shit. Oh no. To to me like you don't have to have 
I mean, it would be ideal if the idea was to have a self-consistent world uh, and mysteries that derive from that, uh, to, mm-hmm. to have that kind of background and narrative structure written and in place and understood by all of the writers and the character developers. But, um, but like, you know, it is, it is just like a writing constraint to not know that. Like if, if I were put in that position where like I had uh, no explanation for something, then, you know, basically I would end it. Sorry, there are going to be spoilers for the gunslinger series. Uh, the, for, you mean the the Dark Tower? The yeah. Dark Tower, yeah. Um, I would do it like that, which is basically like the main character opens a door and everything starts again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it would feel more well fleshed out and uh, well developed, and and like and people understand when things are are consistent, um, and mm-hmm. and that is part of the hook. But even if you don't have that, there are ways. There are ways to use the lack of the writer's knowledge as a constraint, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, like, not that that would be like a satisfying ending, but it would feel like an ending, which is that yeah. it basically just yeah. starts again. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Like, uh, semi spoilers for Russian Doll, not spoiling anything, like, about that, but spoiling the fact that they never clear up why any of that is happening mm-hmm. but i thought they still but they still managed to get a good ending out yeah, of it yeah oh it was a great ending and like at that point it doesn't matter why anything's happening it's like are these characters going to fucking like get over themselves and fix each other <laughs> yeah right i should watch that i feel like oh it's good yeah i feel like yeah i, I, I really like, like that series pe- yeah. people who i like like it so <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's at least worth you know giving it a, uh, a try. <laughs> uh, I feel like I feel like you would you would appreciate Natasha Leone's character. Okay, uh, yeah. with, without having seen it, all I can say is like mm-hmm. <laughs> perhaps, maybe sounds plausible. Are we ready for another topic? Sure. sure. Erica, your topic is Ed O'Brien on backing vocals. I am going to be talking about Ed O'Brien from Radiohead. Uh, okay. On okay. backing vocals, yeah. Um, let me see. I have to I'm trying to think. Vocals. Like, I'm trying to visualize who Radiohead, like who, <laughs> who from Radiohead do I know what they look like? Other than Tom York, right? Yeah. And yeah. there's one guy that I think I I can picture him like plugging things into a modular synthesizer, and that's what I, that's all I've got. Yeah, that is that Ed O'Brien. No, that's Johnny okay. Greenwood. Oh. <laughs> okay, well, you you know the modular synthesizer guy. Ed O'Brien is the guitarist. Uh, he is the okay. most normal looking guy in the band. Oh, he does look very normal. He looks like an English guy. Yeah, playing a guitar. Yeah, he looks like you know, or even like an American, or or yeah. you know, sort of generic white guy. Like he doesn't look super British. Uh, He's even got an American name. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I basically miss all. It's of, not like Gareth. Yeah, <laughs> Nigel. I miss all of Jim's jokes on the on the first pass, and then I have to go listen to the show afterwards <laughs> and laugh about them. Here's the deal: he's not a virtuosic guitar player, but he's he's incredible. He's one of the most famous musicians in the entire world by virtue of being in Radiohead. And Radiohead's music, like, 
sometimes it just sounds like music, but if you really try to to do it, like you try and reproduce the Radiohead music, mm, it's so mm-hmm. complicated. Like even so I my instrument, like quote unquote, is my voice. And even mm-hmm. just the vocal part of Radiohead, yeah. like to follow all of the the rhythm cues and the the little noises that come in, and all, all, you know, trying to to count that and not not just hear it and reproduce it, but to know exactly when you're supposed to come in without um, without Tom York being your cue. Uh, it's <laughs> so hard. It's so hard. And this guy is flawless. Like, he's totally flawless, right? Like, he deserves to be in Radiohead, obviously. Now, the, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the thing is that they were all, like, in high school together or something. And, you know, Tom York and Johnny Greenwood are incredible genius virtuosic musicians, right? Like, no question. Um, and, you know, the other people in Radiohead, like, almost or maybe do rise to that level and they all have their like super fans except kind of for ed o'brien um, and in part because like john uh sorry uh tom york said something like very uh careless about him Ooh. very early on which is that they needed a guitarist and he was brought in to service the band no yeah so that's what he said like oh. as a very very young and possibly kind of like an angry person right oh, um, man yeah so this is like you know ed o'brien is you know close to 60 now and this is like followed him for his whole life so oh my God. if you read his wikipedia page even like the journalists will kind of like intervene and try and like defend him so pitch mm-hmm. pitchfork described uh like in 2006 uh described ed o'brien as Ed O'Brien on backing vocals as uh, Radiohead's most consistent secret weapon, right? Huh. So, like, people kind of, like, jump in and be like, well, okay, well, he's not the... He's only the 59th best guitarist in the whole... <laughs> uh, guitarist of all time. But, uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. but his his, uh, his backing vocals are, are the most consistent secret weapon. <laughs> so, like, I just feel for this guy because he's... Yeah. He's like the unloved normal member of Radiohead. Like he's not a giant weirdo. And like I think that works against him. So I was watching um like Radiohead's uh uh from the basement in Rainbow's uh performance and um I was reading the comments and one guy jumps into the comments a year ago. A year ago. So this is like I don't know 15 years after they recorded it or something and says I just need to make sure Ed O'Brien gets credit for his perfectly executed harmonies and backing vocals. An <laughs> underrated aspect of the balanced sound this band achieves time and time again. Right? <laughs> like, like, here's a guy who wants to make sure that Ed O'Brien gets credit for his backing vocals. Okay, so there's a reply from John Meyer from nine months ago. He says... Um, at Iris 1997, I think you're 100% right. I saw them in San Francisco at the Fillmore when they were touring the Benz. 
Ed was standing on stage, smiling and looking out at the crowd, keeping time with his leg. You could tell he was just absorbing it all as the luckiest person alive to be playing with his pals in San Francisco to a huge crowd in a legendary SF venue where the backstage is probably covered with posters and photos of the legends who played there before him. I really think he's a super chill and good guy and appreciates (laughs) the amazing life he's worked for. I okay. Like Radiohead <laughs> is so silent uh towards mm. like they d- there's no infighting, there's no pettiness in the world mm-hmm. that the fans are on the YouTube channels being like I get to say why Radiohead is great and mm-hmm. who's the best in Radiohead and that Ed O'Brien might not be the best but he's a super chill guy. <laughs> what a man! Just keeping time with his leg. Uh, okay, so to throw a wrench, not a wrench necessarily, but a, a curveball, I just Googled uh, Ed O'Brien backing vocals and I got uh, Flood Magazine, oh, yes. May 12, 2017. <laughs> yes. Were you going to go here, go there? <laughs> I was going to go there, but you want to tell him you what it's go- about. <laughs> okay, well, so I'll read the title of this article, which is called Does Ed from Radiohead Only sing his own name in investigative report. (laughs) So so this is something like in preparation for this show I was also googling Ed O'Brien on backing vocals and it does seem like uh, so this is a fan theory but it does seem like he only sings his own name as if he were a Pokemon named Ed. (laughs) Do we we know that he's not a Pokemon named Ed? No! Maybe that's what Tom meant when he was brought on to service the band. You know, much as a Pokemon like serves. Yeah, like I was gonna he's... say services their trainer, but that's filthy. <laughs> he's, he's our grass type uh, Radiohead member. Yeah. yeah. So, it, are there people in the comments who are like that Ed O'Brien? He's the lamest member of Radiohead, or is everybody just like, well, don't, I mean, I think Ed's pretty cool. I don't know about you. So- on most YouTube channels, you get like small representations of larger wars going on in the world uh, in the comments. And in the Radiohead <laughs> channel, everybody is super nice. Some of them happen to be like condescending a holes, but everybody is nice. <laughs> and and so like you get these weird things like um like Phil Selway, he's a living metronome, and uh you know like. Uh, Colin Greenwood is the best bassist of all time. His playing is so spinal. Spinal? spinal. Yeah. Spinal. So, like, he's the backbone of the band. I guess so. <laughs> or like, or he's playing with the end of his spine, which is kind of near the, the boy parts. Now, people you know totally I mean? say, use words like spinal to refer to like the rhythm section because they're, mm. you know, they're the basis for, anyway. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> But I'm not gonna ask. Um, <laughs> it's like being a thing where like a shiver goes up your spine. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are, is the rhythm section actually playing with their penises or something? Is that <laughs> am I missing something? It's so penile. <laughs> it's so penile. It's <laughs> so um, But everybody has these like weird ways of describing their favorite uh, favorite members, and like they. Uh, they basically all come up with these new descriptions that like somehow unlock their unique uh, <laughs> adoration of Radiohead. And like, sadly, like uh, I don't comment on, on 
these videos, but like by being on Topic Lords talking about how much I like Radiohead and stuff, like I, mm-hmm. I am mm-hmm. one of these people and I recognize mm-hmm. that. <laughs> um, but, but it's just like, it's just so crazy and so over the top. And like, I, I don't know whether I hate or love to, to see this like gatekeeping on Ed O'Brien mm. specifically, who's been like accidentally bullied for his entire career. Yeah. <laughs> ephemeral it's so carotid so carotid (laughs) yeah i mean one of the things about him is that he smiles uh and i i think like i think people just look at that and they're like yeah he's not a serious radiohead member he's the guy who smiles he just seems like a nice chill guy nice chill guy he's just happy to be in the room with his pals (laughs) with his pals he's worked for it (laughs) (laughs) And that comment in particular, like, not only disses him on so many different levels, uh, you could tell he was just absorbing it all as the luckiest person alive to be playing with his pals to a huge crowd in a legendary SF venue where the backstage is probably covered with posters and photos of the legends that played there before him. Like, (laughs) this guy's imagination is out of mm-hmm. out of fucking control. <laughs> yeah. It's also very San Francisco centric in a way that I associate with people from San Francisco. Not just that. Like don't let this guy into Radiohead concerts in the future. Like he's he's a dangerous individual. Wow. You think so? Oh yeah. Like, what's he gonna do? I don't know. He's gonna imagine a bomb. <laughs> oh my god and that's all the time we have for topic lords <laughs> okay <laughs> alright uh, cool Erica if this is something that you want where can people find you on the internet people can drop into the discord and I'm gonna give a shout out to other topic lord Shannon Ooh. who is not on the internet Shannon hi Shannon if you can hear what, me there's a topic lord who's not on the internet <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah she's not on the internet there are dozens of us <laughs> Shannon, if you can hear me, I want you in particular to join the Discord because I would love to meet you. I'll I'll definitely let let you believe that Shannon listens to the show. Every every lord listens to every episode, as is as is just as would be right. God damn it! I'll I'll pass it on. I'll pass on your message. Thanks. And Jenny, what uh, non-internet lord would you like to send a message to? Um, I'm going to say, Shannon, I think you should stay off the internet. I think you should just go join Erica in Texas with her Stronger with Stonger or whatever. What is her name? Stogner. Stogner. I was close. I was Pretty close. close. Very close. <laughs> yeah, and then you can have you can have some delightful chats together. And you can stay stay pure and off the internet forever, because it'll only ruin you, Shannon. Yeah. You can pose yeah. on the jack pump where no one will ever see you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's too tall for anyone to look up there. Right. The, the decision <laughs> is up to you, Shannon. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. No, Ed O'Brien's like 6'5". Oh, my God. He's the he's the worst basketball player of all time. <laughs> <laughs> but he's just happy to be he's there with his pals running up and there. down court. <laughs> Bouncing the ball like nobody cares. <laughs> Thanks so much for being guy. on Topic Lords. 
Thank you, Jim. <laughs> Thank you for having us. Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. This episode was edited by Esper Quinn, who can also edit your episode if you contact them on Twitter. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it, or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com, and you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early, and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode!